Hello and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Do you hate making a mess on your station and having to change your setup towel between every actor? Wish you could just wipe away all your spilled product? Well then, the Rebe mat is for you. The Rebe mat is an easy to disinfect, eco-friendly vinyl mat that keeps your station clean and stays in place. The Rebe mat was created by a working professional makeup artist for artists everywhere. So no more wasting setup towels every day. The vinyl top makes the Rebe mat easy to disinfect, keeps your space clean, and is super durable. These mats are made to be used time and time again. Designed with an anti-skid rubber bottom, your mat will stay in place and allow you to focus on the work in front of you. With the many color options available, you can personalize your station to your job and your mood. Available at therebemat.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-B-B-E-M-A-T.com. If you're union, licensed, an industry artist, or a student, join the Rebemat Pro program for free and receive up to 30% off all your Rebemat orders. The Rebemat is a woman-owned small business that donates a percentage of sales every month to a different nonprofit. Visit therebemat.com. Makes a great rap gift, too. And now, our feature presentation. Today on The Last Looks Podcast, I'm speaking with makeup artist Margaret Prentice. All of you would have seen Margaret's work at one time or another. Margaret is a true artist. Her paintwork, hair work, and makeup applications can be seen in so many projects. If you're familiar with Margaret's work, then you know. But when you look her up for the first time, you'll understand her rock star status. So join Margaret and myself while we chat about her beginnings, working out of a garage, to being on set, and all the awesome projects she's been a part of. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Margaret. Oh, thank you. It's nice to have you here. Now, I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Margaret, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... Oh, that's a that's a good one, because <laughs> I've always told people that getting into this business, I fell from the highest cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that there was special effects makeup. I had no idea that you could learn to do this stuff or be involved in this kind of uh, work. And so what I had done as a kid was uh, I wanted to be an artist, a fine artist. Yeah. And so I had gone to City College and uh, I thought I was just going to learn to do art. And then I decided to be a hairdresser and do that to pay the bills. And then I was going to just you know, have the basement full of my paintings as someone will find when I die. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> but then a family friend was starting his career and um, asked me to help because he knew I was becoming a hairdresser and um, he wanted to make a big blonde ape suit. 
So he wanted me to come help him just tearing wigs apart and so they could be, wefts could be sewed onto a spandex suit. Oh, and yeah. uh, it was a guy named Rob Botine who was very young at the time. Yeah. And uh, became a pretty well-known special effects, very, very uh, creative person. Amazingly creative. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you guys know each other in the first place? Uh, my brother... Uh, who's like a, almost two years younger than me. Mm. Uh, I was a senior graduating from high school. My brother was going to be a junior, and Rob Botine was a freshman coming in to high school. And my brother and he became friends. Oh, cool. And um, in the art department, they were in high school, and they were both pretty close in the art departments. And so he would come over to the house and and then I found out that he that he had somebody uh, another mutual friend of his sent a picture to Rick Baker, a drawing of his. And oh, yeah. so then uh Rick Baker became his mentor when he was barely starting high school. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was not so young. Oh yeah, I remember him coming over to the house because he would just come over and hang out with my brother and stuff. And mm. and he was saying he was working on some kind of, oh, he thought it was just sort of a dumb cowboys in space movie. And that's when he was working on the cantina scene for Rick Baker, <laughs> uh, in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, just some cowboy space. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> oh, that was always that was. One that's always cute to me, <laughs> that story. <laughs> yeah, so then that's, and then I got my cosmetology license and nice. was about to start looking for stations or someplace to work. Yeah. And he got his first movie, which was The Howling, mm-hmm. and um, incorporated painting, incorporated hair work. And I thought, well, I'll go ahead and do that just to see what it's like. And yeah. um, worked in his garage, and I I had some basics, you know. I could do hair, I could uh, paint, and mm-hmm. uh, I just needed to learn the specific materials for this uh, area of work. So um, I learned how to punch hair uh, just through the shop and through some of the guys in the shop with uh, Rob. We're yeah. all young guys. It was a it was like seventy nine, eighty. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty pretty new and all working out of a garage then i learned all the chemicals for painting uh foam rubber yeah and then i decided to stay doing it (laughs) (laughs) that's very cool so how did you learn like the the, what paints to use and all that kind of stuff was there somebody else helping out in the garage that had already figured that stuff oh yeah there is a guy named sean McEnroe, and he's not in this business anymore but he was um, someone that I, I used to be friends with, and he would show me. He was showing me the materials, and and I just had to kind of learn by doing. So yeah. most everything I did was was just by doing it and uh, figuring it out for myself. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, at what point does creating in the garage move into you actually helping to apply makeups? Um, after the howling, Rob had a couple, but I became his painter in the shop Yeah, and, uh, hair finishing, you know, punching and punching and, you know, cutting, setting, whatever. And, um, and then he got another movie of the thing, which is what people most know me for. 
and then another one came along called Legend. It was a um, Tom Cruise movie, and there's a character called Darkness, Tim Curry, a big demon yeah. character. Amazing. Yeah, those were <laughs> some of my favorite paint jobs. But on that show, Rob made it a, um, a signatory to the union. So we hired all, he hired all union people. But in hiring most of the people on the list, he could tell them I still need some people. Right. Uh, I don't, I still need, you know, painters and whoever. And basically to try to get like the four or five of our little group uh, into the union. Nice. And, uh, and so they came down and signed us up. And so then I got into the union and um, some of the guys, they didn't stay with it. They didn't keep it up or, you know, follow through on anything. Hmm. But I, I went ahead and um, I was doing uh, several jobs for him and um, did that. Uh, so that I was in the union and then I got asked to do a makeup job hmm. from a, a guy named Stefan Dupree. And uh, that was for Chris Wayless. That was uh, Enemy Mine. Oh, cool. And it was uh, alien makeup on Lou Gossett Jr., Nice. Which was really, it was really fun because that first time I left the country, went to Germany, first time I had to uh, wander around in snow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like the <laughs> odd person with my nose against the window looking at snowflakes and <laughs> to being a desert rat, I was never around snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was pretty fun, and uh, going to Germany was pretty exciting, and and doing the whole travel thing and location stuff. So I got a little of everything in one, the very first job, first makeup job. And when Stefan, when you learned under Stefan, as far as uh, working on an actor, mm -hmm. he always just put, you weren't just holding the glue for him. You always put a, he put a line down the middle, and you kept up and followed through and, and copied everything he was doing, and, you know, it was a, a team, That's a partner, awesome. yeah. which is my favorite way to do a makeup when you have to have more than one person. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was the first one was Enemy Mine. And then the second one was also with Chris Wales, and that was The Fly. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah Where was so. that shot? The Fly was shot in uh, Toronto. Oh, okay, cool. So traveling again. again. Yeah. Again, traveling and uh, being in the snow. Of course, they <laughs> yeah. shot this stuff in the winter. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so then the fly, which was pretty exciting. And that was a lot of work. Yeah, I did. But yeah, we did from the very beginning, the little little hairs coming off his skin. I mean, we mm. both did all of that and uh, all the way up to the suits and the... Um, you know, there's one funny story with Jeff <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I'm sure. That's, uh, <laughs> once he once he got into later in the movie, and he's in a full suit, a yeah. full foam suit. Again, part of that time period, a lot of the guys were, oh, what's this new chemical? Let's play and see what we can do with it. Yeah, yeah. And that was really common. And so there was a chemical we were using. And uh, we were putting it on the suit. Once he was actually in the suit, we were actually putting this on him. Mm. And we were <laughs> stippling it to to have that shine without having to keep running in there and put KY or gumming up stuff. And yeah. anyway, it was a uh, excellent material and it left a, a very wet shine on the surface. Uh, 
And so once we got him into it, blended off arms, ankles, then we went and uh, he kind of would straddle his arms across the doorway and then we would be with you know, just balls of foam and uh, stippling this material on him to mm. uh, keep him shiny before he started the day. The guy who was doing it with me, one of Chris Wallace's guys, uh, was being a little too aggressive with that sponge mm. and had pushed it into the slat on the side of his crotch where <laughs> where he could go to the bathroom. Right. And all of a sudden, Jeff is like standing there and he goes, um, my uh, right testicle is burning. <laughs> <laughs> Just calmly, my right testicle. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, he stuck that he pushed that foam into the the edge and it wet inside and so I was like oh crap so I made it I made him go and get some wet paper towels and shove it into the, into that area because yeah. once it flashes off which means that any liquid dries out really quick like yeah. alcohol flashes off yeah uh it wouldn't do anything it would right. it wouldn't it's not going to uh, feel he won't feel it anymore mm. and uh so put the wet paper towels in there and then and then uh then he was fine but it was <laughs> oh my gosh the kind of stories you're like anywhere else anywhere yeah, else. yeah yeah <laughs> oh i'm sure he was a good sport about it oh he was he was excellent <laughs> Excellent. It, no one ever said anything about it after. Uh, he was <laughs> he was perfectly fine. <laughs> so I guess I mean deciding to go down that path of getting into the union certainly helped to I guess give you a bit more variety in your work. So you were able oh, yeah. to go on set and do stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. There yeah. were at a time. There was a time on a few shows where I worked in the shop and pre-painted appliances, and mm -hmm. then they would even ask me, like the sculptors would or mold makers would want to ask my opinion of where to break up a piece because when you do a sculpt of an mm -hmm. appliance, it then has to be broken up into several several pieces. Like you might have a forehead piece and then a cheek piece and a chin piece. So mm -hmm. they want to know where those lines should be, where they would work together when you go to put it on somebody. And so sometimes they ask my opinion of you know what I thought would be a good practical blending edge area. <laughs> yeah. I guess because you've seen it from start to finish, right? Yeah. Applying it yeah. and having to watch it all day yeah. to see kind of how it Oh, yeah. There's times when you get, they just, you know, you go on a show and here's the appliances you're going to use. And it's like, oh, man, there was no makeup artist trying to help with this because uh, they have a weird blending edge or it's a blending edge in an awkward place or mm. <laughs> it's too close to time. the corners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so so that used to be fun. I, I would go in there and, and help with figuring out the logistics of the of the appliances and then pre-paint stuff. And then I would follow it through onto the set and, and do the application. So that's always kind of fun too, just following through the whole different process. Yeah, I mean, seeing something mm -hmm. yeah from start to finish to actually, mm -hmm. it's pretty exciting once it actually is all finished and ends up on set and you get to see it in its environment. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So because you've had that variety of work, what, what are some of the pros and cons do you feel of like working in the lab as opposed to on set? I imagine they're very different environments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, when you're working in the shop, it's so casual and, you know, you just, there's a few set of rules, whatever that shop owner wants, you know, mm. as far as hours. And it, it's a, it's more like a nine to five, only <laughs> maybe nine to nine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just a little more at ease with your space and what you need to do. And, uh, yeah. and they always respected me and let me do what I wanted because I always put in extra time and I would, uh, I would sometimes have my DVD player next to me <laughs> while I'm pre-painting stuff and be listening to movies or watching movies too. And that's awesome. Uh, so, music, yeah. yeah making music. art for music and watching music. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I always kind of push the push the limit a little bit and they would always let me do what I wanted and uh so that was always cool and when you're on a set sometimes I would tell like shop guys if they went on a set or they had to work in a trailer I mean they're you have to realize that you're in someone else's house Mm. and you're you're the guest even though you're providing a pretty special item you're still you're still not there every day you're there to do a, a particular, maybe it's it's a gag, you're doing an old age for three days out of a two-month shoot. You're not setting up house. <laughs> right. You're in someone else's house, and you have to remember to respect the other makeup artists and the space, because usually you only get your one little station, and you can't be, like, throwing your stuff all across the <laughs> the stations. As much and, as you'd like uh, to use the whole trailer. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You have to learn to compromise there. And there's also, you have to feel out in a, in a trailer. I mean, is there an actor there that's, you know, very picky or maybe very emotional or maybe they get into character while they're getting their makeup done and you have mm. to, so there's, you know, that kind of P's and Q's that you have to watch when you're in a trailer. Now, if you're doing a background, then you're like back in the shop. It's right. like it's a it's a tent. It's you know ten to twenty makeup artists and hairdressers, and the people or extras are lined up, and it's like you know one two three. You're you just go 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 go, and it, and I have fun. I love doing that. I love yeah. doing that. It's also been mostly where I can practice straight makeup is has been with background. And uh just cuz I've always just been pigeonholed. And um but I I love background. I love talking to people and I and I end up having a lot of background that like coming to me. So, you know, we have a good time and I'm always asking what their life is. Mm. Cuz it's interesting backgrounds these extras. And I always respect extras which a lot of people don't. It's, uh, as far as production and and I always feel that they are the ones they don't get treated that well maybe they're out having to be in the sun and they mm. have to stay out there and I just you know respect them as uh, just as much as I respect a stunt guy or a, or a principal actor yeah because it, it's not fair sometimes <laughs> so I love I love doing background too so he and you get a chance to do all kinds of makeup when you're doing background 
Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you're doing like quickie effect stuff. Sometimes you're doing, you know, maybe they're all blue or something or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're, or you're doing 20s. You're doing yeah. 1920s on a bunch of women that, you know, people don't think I could do. <laughs> and <laughs> I have fun. Yeah. I have fun. So. When did you start doing other types of makeup and thinking, hang on a minute, I need to, I just want to branch out a little bit here. Did you feel like you needed to or you wanted to? Uh, eventually, I just kind of wanted to. And then mm. there was also like um, needed the work. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't always once um, effects kind of they started to not be as much mm-hmm. then it was like well you know I am doing this as a living and I really should have been more aggressive about straight makeup and so I just was doing background and I, there's been times when I, I think I felt that I was put on a spot not given a bag not given you know what the actor uh, need and they weren't a principal they were like a secondary or a featured person yeah. that didn't have dialogue but but I sometimes think I was put on a spot that see she can't do makeup or she can't do straight makeup right but that so was way in the beginning kind of so that that kind of made me kind of back away from it a bit but mm-hmm. then I started doing background which helped me and then I was doing I did a couple of tv shows where they had me doing maybe there was a guest secretary had one line or something in that episode and so I yeah. would be doing maybe featured or secondary characters and and they were like oh I, she can do <laughs> <laughs> so but my you know at this point in my in my career and everything I just you know I didn't really care whether I was up there doing Meryl Streep or doing an old age makeup or, or a creature yeah. I, I have more fun with the effects stuff also when you're doing effects stuff you sometimes don't have to worry as much with the actors the actors looking at you for what you're doing with the makeup and they don't understand what you're doing. Or right. if you're doing a straight makeup, they may criticize more. <laughs> or yeah. they, you know, there's more to have to talk to about. And yeah. I was even doing a, I did a TV show called LA's Finest. Mm-hmm. They brought me on to be doing effects, wounds, dead bodies, whatever, burns, different criminal type trauma and yeah. uh, they kept me on as a floating fourth so I that's where I was doing a lot of um, I would do secondary characters and and then we were splitting you know they let me do a lot of the men and then third on the call sheet Dwayne Martin mm-hmm. ended up liking me and I ended up doing his makeup the whole show <laughs> nice. and so you know it did all kind of like I got a little a little taste of this a little taste of that and uh, I had a good time. Yeah, I, I think it keeps it interesting, doesn't it? It's just yeah. that variety of not the same old thing every day. So it's good. Yeah. 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 And I mean, so, coming from a fine art background to then be doing everything uh-huh. else that you've been doing is incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed all the different aspects. My favorite is still just doing prosthetics and paint jobs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's your, that's where you you come from <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome so I mean you've worked on so many different projects as we've just been talking about but what are 
do you think a couple of kind of favorites that really stand out to you? Um, I think uh, one of each. The um, the thing that movie was John Carpenter's the thing was was my favorite as far as paint jobs and all of that aspect. It it was a really hard show. I was pretty much the only painter. I painted about ninety five percent of everything in that movie. Holy cow! And um, that whole sequence—that's <laughs> huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob did you sleep? Didn't... No, actually, there was an office. There was an office on. It was a place called. Oh, it was. It was a part. I was a part of a warehouse section of Universal that was away from Universal Studios. Okay. That's where we did all our builds. Mm. And um, and there was an office there that people took turns taking naps in and uh and i would work and then leave a note on the the one who is in charge of the shop mm. and and tell him go knock on the door you know in, a, in about two hours and i'd go lay down at like four in the morning and then they'd come in at like seven or something and then yeah. they'd go wake me up <laughs> oh my goodness so and we would sleep there uh, pretty much everyone had some turn doing that trying to finish things yeah oh my gosh so, imagine. yeah so that that was a really rough show but that whole sequence that's the um from when when the one actor's chest burst and the bites off the arms of the doctor and then turn the head comes off becomes a spider head and then it yeah the creature jumps from the chest and there's this hanging creature and uh, all this this whole sequence with the spider head that's like my favorite uh i painted everything on that and i did oh well, i didn't do the makeups on it but i painted all the creature stuff and the body and punched all this chest hair and <laughs> and then um in fact when i was punching hair I don't know if you notice that when you work with red hair for too mm. long, uh, that it does a number on your eyes. Oh, really? And I was punching curly red hair on this uh, chest Yeah. At, for the whole day. Oh, and my friend who was helping me punch hair a little bit, James Cummins, he and I went to go see a movie that night after we had stopped. And I went to the show, got a bucket of popcorn, sat yeah. down, and all the popcorn had little hairs crawling in it. Oh my and God. when I looked up at the white screen in the theater, yeah. nothing but little hairs, <laughs> little red hairs. Uh, just, or dark hairs, because I think when the when you're look doing something red, it turns yeah. a different color when you look at the what the imprint gets left in your eyes. It was burn into your retinas. It's, yeah, yeah. So I just seen this hair in my popcorn. you like, I can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what nightmares are made of. <laughs> Oh my god. So but that yeah, so but that sequence in, in the thing is, is one of my favorite favorite things. And I think uh, for people watching as well. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that is that pretty, that, so. it because it, it doesn't stop. It just yeah. keeps going and going that <laughs> sequence. It's it's pretty cool. <laughs> and then the other thing makeup wise, I, I think I have to I know I've done a lot of fun makeups, mm -hmm. but I think the Beauty and the Beast, Ron Perlman. Yeah. I did that makeup for like three seasons. Wow. That's and, cool. Uh, and he was he was really cool, uh, yeah. too, to work for. We were like brother and sister. 
Yeah. And at the time, I Rick had just set it up where uh, Rick Baker, because that was his design. Mm-hmm. But uh, he never applied it on the set. It was the pilot was Kevin Yeager, and and then they called me because it was taking a long time to do the makeup. So yeah. they decided to do it a partner. And then when the series got picked up, Kevin wanted to do the series because he was starting <laughs> his own shop. Yeah. Uh, and so Rick asked me if I would do it, and I, it was the first big makeup, first thing by myself, first. Uh, first first <laughs> yeah so and I jumped into it because I had a kid and I needed the money and it's like because I was kind of afraid to do it but I went ahead and uh which like I do a lot of jobs I just sort of jump in um, yeah I think you have to don't you otherwise yeah <laughs> yeah and just because I'm a little on the insecure side so it's I know I I can do it I just like oh this is gonna be hard or what if it doesn't yeah. work or <laughs> yeah yeah and uh it's typical you know you know, always in the back of your head you're the worst critic of yourself Absolutely. and uh so uh, when the show started I ended up doing his makeup by myself and Rick never had a separate trailer done for his makeup what we did is it was his it was Ron's trailer and one end was a makeup station oh wow and so we were both in that trailer the whole time and, <laughs> so you uh, fully yeah I would I sat in my chair and he went back to the other end and would lay down or would you know be on the phone or yeah, and um, it was pretty funny because later on, I mean, nobody ever would have done that. You know, it's, it wasn't like it was a little simple makeup. You go in there and do the straight makeup and you leave. No, yeah. it had to be a full prosthetic setup in the one end of the trailer. And then the that was the first season. The second season, they let me go and actually design the shelving in the trailer. And it, the door opened to my station. And I went to the place that built the trailers. And I had shelves put in and where I wanted things. And then it went to the kitchen and then back to a bathroom in his bedroom. So I was more separate from him. Yeah, and it probably made a bit more sense. Yeah, it was it was a little better. And then there was our little group, which was wardrobe associate producer, which was a became a good friend, and we all just hung out in the, in Ron's trailer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so it was we were pretty close. It was really really nice and. Uh, and there is some, I mean, there is some funny stuff with that too. I mean, there is one time which you might uh, you might appreciate because I had three wigs for that for that makeup. Yeah. And I could only use one wig per episode right. because even the, each wig was made from a different from a different wig maker. Oh wow! Okay. Rick had <laughs> um, Rick had uh, Ziggy did I think the first wig and then mm-hmm. Renata did a, a wig and hers were really full. <laughs> She put, she'd always put a lot of hair in her wigs. And then there was a a third wig and I don't remember who did that one, but each one was a little bit different. So I couldn't interchange them in a single episode. Right. And so one day he had to do this one little run and dip down and go through a tiny opening in a wall because they were old tunnels and supposed to be like the basements of buildings. And, and so he ran through this opening and all of a sudden he just stopped. And it was like, and he came back and the the whole, one whole side of his wig along the temple was totally ripped. 
The oh, lace okay. was still glued to him, but the wig was flopping back. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got flappage. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we're going to need to take a break and stuff. And so I went. I took the wig off of him. I mm. stitched it back together in the hair. Oh, wow. And just like in like 10 minutes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it back on him and we went back to working. Oh, and my just, oh it was like a four inch rip. And so then after that episode, Rick had the wig uh, refronted. <laughs> but little things like that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh-huh. quick, sew yep. it up, back yep. on, get it done. Yep. <laughs> So, and it was, he was fun. You know, another funny thing was we had two and a half hours we did that makeup, which yeah. is really pretty good for one yeah. person doing that whole thing. And mm-hmm. I would break it up and glue the appliances on, take a break. Then I reset, do the paint job, and take a break. Then do all the hair work because it was a chopped hair applied to his beard stubble. Mm. It was all chopped hair. Mm-hmm. And then uh, laid hair above his nose laid hair mm-hmm. up to his brows and the brows were uh, lace mm-hmm. so then had to do all that hair work and then put the wig on and so it was two and a half hours and one time one time it was only the one time i actually overslept <laughs> <laughs> there's always one <laughs> i ra- raced to work and get in there and he like gave up all his breaks and i like rushed i mean really rushed the whole thing and we got it down to under two hours but mm-hmm. we made the ad swear that he would never tell anybody that yeah. it really <laughs> took <laughs> less than two hours <laughs> you're like that was a freak of a freak yeah. miracle that happened there's no way we could do it that fast again because yeah. <laughs> we were always before anybody else was even around so nobody yeah. knew except for the ad's that were there making sure we were working <laughs> I want to go back a little bit to Uh talking about painting earlier on and working on the thing and stuff like that so were you mainly painting with brushes or were you airbrushing at that point as well like doing a mixture Uh uh-huh oh I always did a mixture I know a lot of people were always did a lot of airbrushing and but I always felt it was more organic the texture of your layers of paint if it's done both with airbrush and with what I like to use a lot of and not just brushes but I like to use a lot of sponges that I've plucked the okay. end so it's yeah. a little leaves a little more of a grainy texture mm. and then making sure that things are done layered and like watercolors very right. thin and layers so if you're putting putting something that's uh, maybe you know, pinkish or reds, and then you put in something bluish that you're going to get a, a tinge of a lavender effect and also different degrees of thinned out paints. So it's so that you it looks so much deeper and richer if you have different degrees of, I guess, the opaqueness of the, yeah. of the color. Yeah. And then and that the color you're always thinking if you're using this color the next color is going to affect it by how, you know. When you're doing skin tones, you could put all these different colors, your freckling, your freckles, uh sometimes I do some with spatter and then I'll do some with the sponge mm-hmm. uh to get some of that textury the way your skin has not real it's spotty but it's not 
hard spots. It's like splotchy. Mm-hmm. And so you get better effect like that with the sponges. And then and then you take brushes and you actually, what you put down, you use to create your, where your, uh, any kind of spots or heavier splotches, you pull that out of what you, what you put on already. So you kind of like direct, if you put a, a, a bunch of little splotches, then mm. maybe one part of that, you put a deeper spot and that those layers end up making an edge spot because it should always be layered colors to yeah. give the, the depth of something. And to make it look that sometimes when you're doing when you're painting on silicone and you're painting mm. on foam, there's times where you can make it pretty much look the same. If right. you if you're good at your layering mm. and the way you can affect a deepness to your surface, because I still think that you need to paint silicone a little more than than some people do, because it it looks a little gummy if you're not if you don't paint it right. You think that some people are just relying on the product itself? Yeah, to... because it's like, look, it's translucent. It's translucent. Right. It's cool, but but not really. It's like, it's it's like a gummy bear. Yeah, <laughs> you still need to have texture. Your skin has yeah. texture in in layers of color. Yeah, I mean, mimicking nature is insanely difficult. Oh yeah, yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that you consciously would do when you were starting to need to mimic like human skin textures and stuff like that? Were you just always looking at people's skin and looking oh, at yeah. photos and looking at, yeah. yeah, just studying nature? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When, when I look at, I think like my, like reference materials, when I have to look mm. up stuff or I'm doing yeah. a certain, certain project, I'll, mm. I'll go into like books of animals or books of, or uh, I like fish or, uh, you know, it's like, how do these color combinations happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're crazy. But that kind of thing, photos of, like old age or you know when you have to look up like skin textures and just mm. just using um images of different people i just like looking at pictures of people yeah to see the texture and to see because there there's and there's <laughs> there's pictures of people that if you copied it exactly no one would would think you did a good job right because it's it's so real and it's so odd, maybe that mm. your eyes don't want to look at it as being something real, as something that you just made up. So sometimes you gotta compromise something that's real and something mm. that that you want someone else to believe is real. All right. Yeah. It can be a little bit of a balancing kind of fine yeah. line. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny, isn't it? And it's, I mean, everyone believes things a little easier than others too. So oh yeah. Like... <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of the compromises. You yeah. Know? That's why when you're, somebody will look at a movie or something, oh, I didn't believe that that look. And someone else would be like, oh, I knew someone who was, who looked like that or, or that happened yeah. too. <laughs> and that's the same with like, with gore. I have tons of reference materials from medical books. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, in the old days, we, that's what we would have was just medical books. Now, I mean, you could pull up anything on Google. You say, uh, acid burn or, a, yeah. or a 
water burn or, you know, chemical burns. They all have different aspects. And you can perfect them now easier because you can look up the actual symptoms of something. Yeah. And diseases and all, you know, I, I was working a TV show called Code Black, which was a medical show. Yeah. And so they would always have all these trauma going on. And so there, and people also in a waiting room, they had different trauma or maybe diseases. And so it was really fun to do because I, I love doing that too. Uh, I love trying to do realistic trauma makeups. And it's not because it's not just gore. I mean, it's things that really happen to people. Yeah. Well, and, once again, it's, it's mimicking real like nature, yeah, like real life. Yeah. Like, it's, and I always yeah. find it fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what we're all made up of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. My mum always says to me, because, you know, I'm a, a girl who likes a, a skull here and there. And uh-huh. she'd be, mum will always be like, oh, Jamie, these skulls are just. I uh, say, mum, you realize you've got one, right? Like, <laughs> you have a skull. I have a skull. Like, it's a thing. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, I've never really looked at it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was so morbid and it's just like, yeah, uh-huh. but you have one. You're literally walking around with one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yep. not that bad. Yep. <laughs> and working on a medical show was, was even more fascinating because this is like, this is real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it, mimicking surgeries or just mimicking, you know, trauma wounds when people come in with, with dumb, weird, how did they do this? You know? Yeah. So uh, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> were you guys were actually working with, um, like, did they have ad- medical advisors or anything yeah. on that as yeah, well? They yeah, they usually have medical advisors, especially because of the surgeries. So mm. they have to make sure that the actors are holding tools the right way. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe I even learned for a little while to um, do sutures. Oh, wow. uh, which was kind of fun. So um, the, some of the nurses, there was a couple of nurses that were uh, extras. So they would be in the scenes to make sure things were done right. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun. So I'd, I'd talk with them and they would show me stuff and that uh, was kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. do, do you feel like you have more of a passion for a specific type of makeup like realism or likeness makeups or creature makeups or gore or are you you pretty balanced with those uh i think i'm pretty balanced and and i don't know if i would really even think of it was um a separate thing realism i think they're all you know you're trying to make mm. some anybody believe that whatever whatever you put across there yeah as a makeup or as a a a real person or a character or a creature Mm. that they are there is realism to it yeah that someone's going to believe it and i i kind of like i like all of it you know it's a little i think it's a little harder when you're doing some likeness and old age that can be a little more difficult because there's so many aspects that have to line up the the sculpture has to be ultra realistic and when a sculpture is is done well mm. the paint I, I, to me and i don't know it just seems weird that's probably just me i don't know but if a sculpture is done well the paint job will be easier right and make more sense if, yeah 
Yeah, because if there's creases or wrinkles or things that don't really seem too realistic, mm. um, then it's harder to kind of put paint on there. And it's just a thing in my head, I guess. <laughs> well, it's kind of working against, against yeah. how you see things, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I know, I, I noticed at one point that, when I was just painting the shops that certain certain sculptors, their work was almost easier to paint. And I was like, mm. what is this? And I, and I just realized that the sculpt itself was very realistic and natural. Right. And so it was easier to put color into it. Yeah. I mean, it's the aging thing is, I mean, it's crazy to start with because everyone ages yeah. so differently, don't they? Like oh, yeah. Just... Yeah. And then you have aspects like the actor not liking the way maybe that they don't like the way that. One weird little thing is that I noticed that it seems like there's more women actresses who don't like to be in old age makeups. <laughs> they, they don't want to see their future. They don't want to glimpse into their future. I guess. And and they're so conscious of how they present how they they present themselves and they're so conscious of the makeup that's used and their style and all of that that when you mm. go to put an old age makeup on on some, not all of them, some are just like, you know, oh boy, this is fun. This is yeah. a dress up. But yeah. some, it's like, uh, they have a hard time. Yeah. There is one show, and I won't say, but she was in tears and could not stand the makeup. And they had to, they ended up not using it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in that. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an actor uh, in, in any way, but I, I feel like if I would love somebody to do an old age makeup. On me. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they like, they brought that app out that like ages you. Uh -huh. We had so much fun with it. Cause it's just like, I don't mm -hmm. know. It's, it, it, as you say, it's dress up. It's, it's like, yeah. just lean into it. Let's go uh -huh. for it. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you've got such pros, like, facilitating uh -huh. it that's awesome yeah so and this is going back a little bit as well uh -huh. but when when you're first getting into this line of work mm -hmm. and coming up it's quite a boys club right oh oh yeah <laughs> was it yeah. something you were conscious of or or you just kind yeah. of yeah yeah because when I first got into it it was everyone they were all all probably about three or four years younger than me Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were kind of around the same age, but they were all, everyone was still, I always said they're all like the high school locker room guys and playing and, and you know, what's this chemical? Oh, look what we can do with this. You know, the guys that are lighting up toy cars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um so it was it was always uh kind of that attitude the guys mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah. i was always like a sister i never had the problems that i i know and have been told by some of the other girls that have gotten into the shop work right. that that end up having to deal with some of the guy stuff mm. uh as far as that kind of thing a lot of the shops, as far as like girls and guys, that because they're almost like a bunch of kids, you yeah. don't always have like, you're a woman, you can't do this. Right. No, not so much that. It's just mostly can be bothered by like guys wanting to just be flirty and stuff. 
right. and that kind of thing happens, which is bad. But I'm sure not so much anymore. <laughs> no, no. That I'm, well, no, actually, there's a, a group on Facebook mm -hmm. that's mostly women effects. Yeah. And there was something, I think, last year where they were putting it out there about a shop and some guys in, in the shop, and it was not good. And it was well, all... It's good that they're talking about it and bringing light yeah. to it. So. Yeah, which, you know, before the... Like, and even some of them were like, well, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to lose my job kind of thing. Right. You know, and that... It, so what I'm saying is basically it still happens. Right. So, you know, the girls all need to make sure to stick together. And, mm -hmm. and let each other know when something like that happens because then when it starts happening several times and you've got backup and yeah. you got and the other that, guys um, other guys yeah. see it oh something. yeah yeah because there's there are a lot of the guys aren't they aren't like that and yeah and um, they can be protective too yeah, a lot good. of them so so yeah I, my thing is I, I so I was always like the older sister I also don't cuss I'm just not I don't know, I just never got in the habit of that. <laughs> <laughs> my parents didn't and and I just never did so they the guys were always like oh sorry Margaret or you know trying always to apologize to me because they cuss or something it's like please you know it's quite sweet <laughs> yeah and uh but I end up missing out on a lot of good jokes <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like just because I wouldn't tell the joke it doesn't mean I don't want to hear it yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, so funny. I myself, I always was treated very well and very pretty respected by most of the, you know, most of the guys. And that's awesome. So I mean, it is teamwork. You got to mm -hmm. got to work together exactly. to get everything done, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And since you started, what what are some of the biggest changes do you think you've seen in our industry? I think when I started, part of that. 80s group of effects guys that were um, kind of um, kind of the cowboys out there. You know, they were creating things that were kind of new and, mm. you know, combining new makeup and mechanical effects. And, and I think now you have a lot of a lot of these creative, super creative artists and designers. Hmm. But because you have a lot more shops now, there's more shops. They're a lot more not run like the like the old garage shops. You know, everything's a lot more formal and, and OSHA's involved and, and time. Hmm. You know, people, people aren't worked 20-hour days, you know, like back in those days. But the one thing that I think is kind of sad is that you have a lot of these new shops and creative, super creative designers, artists, but they're on a leash nowadays. Right. They're on a leash now because of the non-creative producers and mm -hmm. the limited budgets that they're throwing at everybody. Right. And so you have a lot of people that could have been producing maybe some more innovative type stuff, but mm -hmm. they they get stuck that they can't they can't go any farther because of the the time limits and the money limits right so it's just getting stifled yeah yeah because it's a it's a novelty now for directors to want to do practical effects yeah and it's like pulling teeth to get the money that they need to do it I know they're just it's I think people are so lucky when they work with a director that is excited by 
practical effects and wants to mm-hmm. be involved and it's just mm-hmm. like how can we do this how can we do that you know it's like yeah. really yeah on the ground with them trying to figure this stuff out like that must be so much more exciting <laughs> to work oh with. yeah yeah because you're you're back to being a kid in the garage playing yeah and and that's a lot more exciting i mean hopefully do we think it'll come back around uh, or I don't know. I don't know. Probably it's always going to be, yeah, it's going to be a director who finally has enough clout to demand certain things. And so that's why it's just every once in a while you get a really cool movie because they let them do it. (laughs) Yeah. And they're excited about it. Like they're Mm -hmm. super nerdy about it and want to like, you know, grow up loving all that stuff. So they want to do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. More of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, what would you like to see kind of change in the future moving forward? Well, I think partly from what I was just saying is mm. the creativity being brought to light and maybe yeah. with a better team team effort of CGI and practical makeup. Because sometimes those two groups, uh, the CGI people don't like to get too involved with the makeup people or... Mm. You know, there's sometimes there's a little bit of, uh, oh, we could just do that. <laughs> and there's production is also in there saying, well, just do, we don't need the practical. We'll just do CGI. Yeah. We'll whatever's cheaper, do... whatever's faster, whatever's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think, I think that there's um, more creative stuff can be done by combining and having them working together. Not Absolutely. just doing a practical effect and then throw it to the CGI. I think both of them designing something. Yeah. And where the, keeping the communication open. Yeah. And, and so that you know where the different aspects will, will play on uh, with each other. Yeah. I did one one makeup. One of the last makeups I did for Rob Bottin, mm. it was on Game of Thrones. Um, there's a character that's the a prince a young guy that gets killed he gets poisoned mm-hmm. and because i never sh- saw the show and i i this guy was supposed to be one of the most hated characters in the in the yeah he show. that poor actor oh my god and this young guy he <laughs> yeah, was yeah poor dude <laughs> yeah because his he, character he was fantastic oh yeah his character was horrid <laughs> That's what I heard. I actually still haven't seen it. I'm bad. (laughs) But but anyway, the cinematographer is actually a girlfriend of Rob Bottin. And one of the producers, somewhere in the production, they're a fan of Rob's. And they didn't like the way they killed him off when they were filming in Europe doing the principal photography. So they asked Rob to reshoot that death scene. Oh, far out. And they did it here in um, Santa Clarita. And mm-hmm. so Rob called me because I usually do his makeup applications. Yeah. And uh, and so he wanted to do something where it was uh, a lot more of like if the body's reacting to something. So basically it was just, you know, make him lighter, do a lot of like weird veining to do, to be a little artsy with it. And, and, and what he had done before was they had done a little more monstery makeup, like blisters or weird things on him that they didn't really particularly care for. 
And so right. it was, I did this, uh, Rob wanted a, a real veiny kind of makeup, paled, you know, a little getting bluish and cause he's supposed to like be suffocating with this poisoning and then mm. um, foaming at the mouth and all this kind of stuff. And what he did is he wanted me to do this makeup and then he was going to go and work with CGI and instead of trying to do like red drops in the eyes for bloodshot eyes, he worked with uh, getting the uh, optical stuff, the CGI, uh, enhancing some of the veining, enhancing some of the shading, and uh, and doing more bloodshot eyes through that. So it was a really cool combo of practical and uh, optical. That's and, awesome. Uh, and that was the way that scene ended up. And I thought it looked pretty cool. yeah that's i mean that's exactly how you want it to go down really is to be able to communicate to each other because Uh it's it's interesting even i remember years ago and getting design images from weta for characters for hobbit and oh right hair stuff Uh and i would be looking at this picture going this is beautiful but does this person understand how hair works works yeah yeah <laughs> so See, that, trying that's, to create that's the sculptor sculpting a makeup and not knowing the practicality of how the pieces are going to have to lay on a person's face yeah <laughs> very interesting and it's just like i felt like and they you know they were i knew who it was and i, I just wanted to walk down the street and be like hey um <laughs> let me show you how hair works yeah but, i mean you know and i i pushed it as far as i could to get it as close as i could to the image so it's right. just which is good because it makes you you know it, the challenge was definitely there oh but yeah just at That's first you're kind good. of looking at it going do, mm-hmm. do they understand hair at all mm-hmm. um but then you get over it pretty quickly but yeah. I, and i i spoke to um do you know gino acevedo yeah yeah, so yeah. I spoke to him a little while ago and he was talking about how at Wetter he had the digital guy kind of coming to him and looking at his paint work mm-hmm. and being like, how do you do that? You need to talk to our digital guys mm-hmm. to explain how you get that depth and that, you know, yeah. talk about colors and talk about this and that. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, that's exactly, it's just exactly what you're saying, Margaret. That needs to yeah. happen more is that crossover. Mm-hmm. To learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wasn't aware that Rob was still getting involved in doing stuff like that. So that's very cool to hear. He he pops up once in a while. He does his own creative stuff uh, on his own. And uh, and this was already a few years ago. Yeah. 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 This was already a few years ago, that that job. That's true. I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you... (laughs) Yeah, actually, <laughs> when I remember first watching the first season of Game of Thrones, you're correct. Mm. It was a little while ago now. Time yeah. is fleeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to know what you find most enjoyable about what you do. I think when oh, this is one little aspect, I guess, because I, I always consider myself kind of the the last domino in the chain. <laughs> you know, in the in the row of dominoes, I have to fall to create something. Right. You know, you have the creators, you have the sculptors, you have the mold makers, mm-hmm. and you have painters and fabricators, and and then you're the one that helps finishing off the design. 
Yeah. And I think some one of the most satisfying moments, and there's there's quite a few, but if you're like me, you're not the designer, you're part of the the crew. When you finish doing a makeup and you've painted it and you've the they've been behind your back and they've been like, Oh, more this, more that and you bring it across the way they like it and you get on set and it's in front of camera, um, this actor, this creature, and all of a sudden they the designer, whoever it is, turns and and kind of looks at you but they have this like little kid in a candy shop look <laughs> like oh cool yeah. and you you're like okay i did it i guess <laughs> okay yeah. okay that's all i wanted okay now let's just keep this on his face and get through the day <laughs> yeah but but that moment and a lot of these shop guys are like that Mm. they they're like little kids when the when their design finally gets put in front of camera and they see it come to life between what you did and what the actor is doing and they have that little like a twinkle in their eye yeah and uh there's quite a few of them that that when i do something and i get that look then i'm fine (laughs) you like nailed it they're happy they're excited this is cool nice yeah (laughs) doesn't even need to be a spoken word it's just a look. no uh-uh. as soon as i see that look and they're and they may be just standing there and they're looking at it or they're the director's kind of coming up to them if they have that look then i'm fine yeah that's awesome i came up in a environment i suppose that it was just like if if nobody sees anything, you're you're doing a good job. Oh yeah, yeah. That and, that's very much the the same too. <laughs> yeah, and it's um it is quite funny when I work with someone that maybe hasn't come up in that in that yeah. world, and yeah. the constant questioning of like, is it okay? Is it okay? It's like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if if something was wrong, you would know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's um the silence to me is always like. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's yep, happy. Exactly. It's good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it's such a backwards thing, I suppose, that silence mm-hmm. can mean a positive. <laughs> oh yeah. But that, I always I I do that too. Someone will might maybe say something. I go, Hey, if they're not saying nothing, then they're they just think it's you know, everything's fine and let's move on. <laughs> yeah. They just called action, they're rolling. Yep. They're good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So after all the incredible jobs that you've done and experiences that you've had, is there anything that you wish you had known or been told before getting into this line of work? I'm thinking maybe just the fact that I remember a couple of makeup artists when I was working on Beauty and the Beast were like, you know, well, you know, you got to start doing some straight makeup. <laughs> and I was mm. like, well, I'm pretty good here and pretty busy. Yeah. But I wish I wish I had listened to them and been um, a little more aggressive in rounding out what I can do so that people knew that I could do everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, or basic, you know. Because even in the shops and even in on the set, you get pigeonholed pretty quick. Yeah, so. it's true. And I, I think um, over here, I guess with it just being a bigger industry as well, people really do tend to specialize oh, yeah. in things. So mm-hmm. whereas if you're working in a smaller, smaller industry, you kind of need to have to be able to do yeah. 
almost yeah. everything. Well, Otherwise, mm-hmm. you get left behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Awesome. And um, I just wonder, was there has there ever been any piece of advice that somebody has given you that's really kind of stuck with you? Uh, there's there's one incident mm. that's been my my favorite, and it wasn't from a makeup artist. It was actually from a very well known, very loved mold maker. His name was yeah. Gunner Gunnerford Nansen. What a name! And uh, yeah, he's he's a Scandinavian gentleman who came here and was working in the studios as a mold maker and got involved with uh, the effects houses and doing molds for special effects people uh, with Rob. That's where I met him was with was on on the thing. And he was great old guy, a great mold maker. It was on uh, Ghostbusters, and I painted the green ghost, the Slimer character. And I <laughs> That's painted, so cool, Margaret. <laughs> uh, and I painted the um, terror dogs. Yeah, wow. there's uh, the dogs on each side of her. Well, there's yeah, just yeah. one. There's just one, but the, right. they put it on both sides. And so I would come in because the the terror dog, the the effects guys that were doing the mechanics for it. We're having so much trouble that they would always, every day, they would come in at their regular time at 7, end Mm. up putting cuts into the dog and and still trying to correct or or make better some of the mechanics in it. And so then when, so I had to paint it at night and I come in at 7 at night and which nowadays, I don't think OSHA would be too approving of being on a on a six foot platform with about maybe ten inches all the way around and having oh, to God. be up there by yourself at night when no one else is in the shop. Yeah. So if you were to fall or something <laughs> happened, you're stuck there until the next morning. Yeah. Um. But but uh, that's what I did, and I was known for for being there at night and leaving in the morning, you know, working mm. all night. And anyway, so. I would come in at seven at night and Gunner was sitting with his coffee and his cigarette ending his day and mm-hmm. we'd talk or I'd go to leave in the morning and he comes in yeah. and he's, and he's, um, you know, with his coffee and his cigarette. And so one morning it was a little bit later that I went to leave and I went to go, go say hi to him and he was starting his morning and I was noticing that he was, he was, uh, had half a mold done. And was in there, kind of looked like he was sculpting on the on the the piece that was being molded. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Because I was always be curious and asking him questions. He goes, "You know, Margaret, it's not how good you are; it's how well you can correct your mistakes." And I was like, "What?" He goes, "Because he had gouged into the sculpture." <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> and so he had his tools. It was re-sculpting part of the piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And and I always found that that one weird little piece of advice, yeah, was always always important, and it always came up. You know, all of a sudden, oh, I shouldn't have used that glue. So how are you going to fix it? Or mm-hmm. or oh no, the edge broke or the or something tore or something you know uh paint was the wrong color so how are you going to fix that and it's how you correct your mistakes that you know you learn you learn stuff and you maybe make it better (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> it's a very simple thing, but I always that is always stuck in my mind. <laughs> That's awesome, and you kind of busted him in the middle of it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, yeah, that was great. (laughs) So Margaret, if if I had you set up at your station and you had all your tools and products with you, if I came Mm. in and took something away, what would you kind of freak out about? You'd be like, no, I cannot work without that tool or product. Uh, I think maybe nowadays, one of my kind of favorite new little discoveries from another makeup artist was because um, I, I resent the amount of money we got to pay for some of our materials. Yeah. And production may not always pay for it or you're limited at how you could use it because they pay for it, but it's cost a lot and they don't want you using a lot of it. Mm. One of the newer products, which I love, is Jordan or Sean Richards, all of those uh, tattoo cover creams. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are some of my favorite things, and they are very good go-tos when you're on set and you have to touch something up because mm-hmm. they stay but they have a short shelf life, which means they make you buy more. They're expensive. <laughs> mm. And they give you a little one ounce bottle of thinner to use on those materials. Yeah, That thinner costs some money and doesn't always work as well when the product is starting to dry out, starting to reach its shelf life. Oh, interesting. And through some other makeup artists, for me, it was Mark Garbarino. Hmm. I found out about a chemical through the makeup company. Through uh, It's um, a place that produces makeup materials. Like you could buy lotion there and make your own scented lotions, or you could buy other makeup chemicals. Gotcha, and, yeah. And there's a chemical called isodotacane. And Sounds like a great drug. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? It's a weird name. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But you could buy a quart of this stuff for like less than $30. Mm. A quart. And it turns those Jordan colors, those creams, into, mm. into watercolors. Oh, wow. And that product can also be used on any cream makeup you have. You could have... You know, you want to do a sheer cheek, Mm -hmm. any cream cheek colors. Mm -hmm. I also put a little powder mixed into it and turned that into, uh, I was doing an alien and I had to have these kind of bluish lips and I didn't like the color that I found. So I found a kind of purplish lipstick and then the, um, I think it was Krylon blue pigment powder. Yeah. And I mixed both those things with the Sisodotocaine and made a new lipstick. And I left it on the on um on a paper palette. Mm -hmm. And so I put that in a little baggie with a brush and all I needed to do if it started to dry out was put another drop of the Isodotocaine and brought up my lipstick. God, you just gotta know your products and your chemicals, huh? Yeah. And that and it's something I've always um had fun doing was to be experimenting with chemicals or with products. So this product, you could decant from this quart mm. dozens of times. If I have little bottles of this isodotocaine in my set bags. I have Jordan pellets that are already cracking. Mm. <laughs> and all I have to do is put some of this stuff and it's like using watercolors. 
and it dries out mm-hmm. faster than the stuff they use. And a lot of people were using 244 fluid to right. thin out those materials. But the 244 fluid takes too long to dry, that oily kind of right, feel. Yeah. And it takes a little longer. If you want something really sheer, then you're going to be waiting a while. Where this stuff will set up a little faster. And like I said, you can make it like almost a paste. Danchi can make it. Or as thin as watercolors and have all the pigment. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. cool. I, I, if I can be so bold as to say, I, I feel like there's going to be some people out there tracking that stuff down and buying I've, it now. <laughs> I've, been, I've been giving all kinds of people that info for that makeup supply place. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you just look up that name and then it'll it'll pop up for where you can find it and stuff. So, because a lot of people are using those Jordan colors for covering oh, tattoos yeah. or mm-hmm. for, and I've even done makeups with those, you know, yeah. the people just do a makeup with them sometimes. Yeah. They're, they're good. Style. Yeah. They're good for like a no makeup makeup. So yeah. you can do covers and do all that and, and have it sheer by using that isodotacane and uh, works Very really cool. well. Awesome. And who would you like to hear on the podcast, Margaret? Oh, I was thinking of, um, Jan Aspinall. She's also someone who, she came from New York. Mm -hmm. She was the department head on Mad TV for years. Yeah. And uh, had to do some of that, like, throw it together in two seconds makeups. Yeah. (laughs) She's very creative. I've helped her on, on some of her little personal projects. And she's a very interesting person. Yeah, that's awesome. I've met Jen, so yeah. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. Well, Margaret, I appreciate your time and I've loved speaking to you. You have some pretty incredible stories and oh, what good. an amazing <laughs> career. It's just so exciting and so cool. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I, I had a good time. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thank you. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.